welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balanced Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Hello, everyone. Guess what? The Balanced Ballerinas podcast went abroad the other week. Okay, well, not really. However, I did interview fellow adult ballet teacher Julie Gill, who runs an adult exclusive ballet studio in Denver, Colorado. So as much as I would have loved to sit face to face with this incredibly intelligent and passionate woman, we kind of had to settle for a web interview, which is why the sound quality of this episode isn't quite like my other episodes. Sorry about that. However, it's quality conversation and that's all that matters. As you'll hear, Julie has quite an amazing story behind her journey into the adult ballet world and she has many great insights and tips for any current or even aspiring adult ballerinas out there. I really enjoyed talking to Julie and I hope you get as much as I did out of this conversation. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Hi, Georgia. Um, First, I would love you to tell the listeners a bit about yourself, because unlike me starting ballet at the age of three, you were 17. So tell us about your journey into going from starting at 17 to having an adult ballet studio just for adults. Yeah, um, definitely started um, later in life, not as late as many of my dancers who started, you know, in their 40s, 50s, even 60s sometimes. Um, But 17 certainly isn't, you know, your three-year-old ballerina. Um, I wish I could remember the reason why it got into my head that I wanted to try ballet, but um, I was something along the lines of finishing high school and was kind of bored of everything I was doing, was in music for my whole life and just about the clumsiest person you've ever met. Um, My family would tease me that I could, you know, trip on a painted line on the ground. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very, very clumsy and, you know, sort of just wanted to try whatever was the hardest thing I could think of, like what would be the biggest challenge I could think of and seemed like ballet was the best option there in terms of the yeah, hardest thing like, I, I don't have many 17-year-olds coming to me wanting to start ballet. Like, it, yeah, it's it's a rarity. Like, yeah, because you're kind of transitioning out of one thing into the next, so it's unusual to start a whole new commitment. And I find the same thing as well when anyone's in this transition period. So I'm not sure why exactly that happened. I, I, don't, uh, I don't remember. I wish I remembered more because it was such an odd decision to make and to stick with. Um, but I started, I hopped into an adult ballet class um, down in San Diego, California, where I um, grew up and um, just pretty much was hooked from then and then um, moved to New York City for college unrelated to ballet. I studied computer science in college, so kind of the mm-hmm. other direction. Um, complete other direction. (laughs) Yeah. Although it is similar in some respects, but definitely the other direction in terms of physicality. Um, yeah. So I was in New York city for uh, many years and there continued my ballet training. I worked with a private coach for many years on and off, um, Mm -hmm. kind of here and there as, you know, I came into money and time through college and after college. And one day, um, she slipped down the stairs after, our last lesson together and broke her back and never taught again she was in her late 70s so this is your ballet teacher your Mm -hmm. your coach yes and yeah it's totally I mean we were walking down the stairs together she was wearing her slippers carrying the cd player you know she was old school had the cds and she's just slipped down the stairs and you know we didn't know how bad it was at the time I mean we just kind of kept going and she knew it hurt but then um she kind of spent the last couple of years of her life passing her business down to me and teaching me how to teach and giving me all of her private clients. And that's kind of how I got my start in teaching in New York City. Wow. Isn't it funny how the world works? I mean, like out of a tragedy, you know, it, your business was born and, mm-hmm. and what you love and do now today. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was so crazy. It was so serendipitous. And, you know, I didn't even know if I wanted to take it because I had a career as a computer scientist at that point. Uh, I might have already been a product manager at a software company and, you know, had like a whole life planned out in terms of that whole direction. 
Um, but you know, it just, it was, it was just kind of handed to me in a very lucky and odd way. Um, and you know, for her, she really felt like it was a blessing because she never written anything down. She'd been teaching for, you know, 20 or 30 years and never wrote yeah. anything down. And so she got to really, <laughs> there's not many ballet teachers that write much down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so she was really happy to be able to pass some things down and kind of have her methodology, you know, uh, perpetuated. So then I moved to Colorado where I am now, right in the center of the United States. And I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. I was still working full time for my um, product management job uh, remotely from New York City and um, kind of almost on a whim opened up a studio here so I could keep doing what I was doing in New York City. And I really just wanted to keep doing private coaching and, you know, be a part of the ballet world. Um, So did you so did you hire a space in New York City? Um, Did you? have an actual studio or what did that look like? Oh yeah. I, I um, would rent by the hour from a studio called Ripley Greer, which was a fabulous place to get up and running. Cause you could just book whatever size studio you wanted, whenever you wanted um, without, with very little risk. It was great. So when I moved to Colorado, actually it's funny you ask um, just kind of shows how goofy this whole start was. Um, I called up a commercial, you know, real estate person and kind of asked them if I could rent their, their commercial office by the hour. And they were like, what's wrong with you? That's not a thing. I was like, oh. <laughs> they would have been like, um, no, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like picturing like wheeling in my dance floor, you know, I don't know what I was picturing, who knows? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I ended up getting, I ended up just signing, you know, full lease, you know, regular open up the studio. And then um, it had initially started as private coaching for anybody. Um, that's what I had done in New York City, kids, adults, all ages all levels. But um, Colorado really didn't have an appetite for private coaching. It was much more community oriented and um, wanted to have a friend to share in this journey. And so I had a yeah. lot of interest, but no interest in private lessons. Um, but of course, I had a studio the size of a private lesson studio. So I got creative and put a few people in the room together. And then that's kind of how what we have now started up and, you know, really, really focused in on the adults. There was a huge appetite for what we were offering here. And so just went 100% all in and just all go for the adults. And so how long ago was this? Almost two years ago. Okay. So yeah. So, and now am I saying it right? It's like brooch, isn't it? Yes. Brooch? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. The, yeah. It's the French word for the, the brooch that you would wear on your lapel or your jacket yes because I was going to get you ex- to explain to everybody the really cool reason why it's called brooch ballet <laughs> <laughs> um aside from wanting to have a the late, least pronounceable name possible um yeah for ages I'm like when I was following you on Instagram I thought it was brooch like yeah. br- or broche or uh-huh. like something I was trying to make it really French sounding <laughs> And there are people, there are people who like the brochet. Maybe one day I'll embrace it because it does kind of cute. It's kind of rhymy and catchy, but I'm not there yet. Maybe one day we'll change the name or change the pronunciation. Um, but yeah, I have a um, brooch collection from just all the generations of my family back to some of them, you know, very, very old, a couple of grandmothers ago and just always had this collection. I don't know when or why it started, but um yeah, they're, they're super cool. They're really fun. They're very timeless and unique. And you can really express a lot from saying nothing. You just wear it on your shirt and you say nothing and your pin will express a lot. And it's very analogous to ballet in that way where you say nothing and yet you can express everything. I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah, that, that's a nice, a nice summary of, of, you know, why you would call it such a such a strange inanimate object yes Yes. (laughs) but but when you really think about it it's the perfect name Mm -hmm. yeah it's great so like we have this in common that we teach um adult ballet um in Australia it's not as popular as it is overseas so Mm -hmm. um I have been really excited about our discussion because I don't actually get to talk to many people that are in the same shoes as me that Mm -hmm. teach lots of adults Mm -hmm. um so, like, let's start with what are some common personality traits that you find in adult ballerinas? Um, to put it bluntly, uh, type A. We are very intense, yeah. disciplined, lots of, you know, rigor in everything we do, very detail-oriented. I mean, of course, there's always going to be people not like that, but the only person who would decide to spend their time doing something as maddening as ballet is someone who 
kind of <laughs> kind of likes that that lifestyle of like aiming for perfection and knowing you're never going to get it. I, it kind of attracts that type of person. So you get your engineers, your lawyers, your doctors, your accountants, kind of people yeah. like me. I, I find that I have um, I find I have a lot of people that own their own businesses. Yes, they they love ballet. Yes, yeah. you have to really want to work hard and be okay with being bad at everything. Yes, yes. And staring at yourself in the mirror and realizing that you're never actually going to reach perfect, ever. <laughs> I have not yet given up on perfection yet, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just crushed it. <laughs> yes, you just crushed my dreams. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh no, but like, it was, I mean, one of the reasons why I love my adult ballet communities so much is because I find that everyone has a real dedication to improving mm-hmm. and bettering themselves. And I think that actually ties back to the fact that, you you know, your pirouettes will never be perfect or your plie will never be perfect. But the fact that you have to enjoy the process, mm-hmm. the process of like improving. And, and I think that that, you know, if you love that nine times out of 10, you're going to love ballet and stick to it as well. Yeah, well, and anything in life really requires that. So I think it's important to, to cultivate, even if you find it first in the ballet studio, then have it translate to the rest of your life. Whatever you're doing, it's going to be hard. So you need that to be able to persevere through it. Yeah, exactly. And on that note, what are some habits or traits that you think will help an adult ballerina? <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think is a great segue into it because, um, you know, it is, it is ballet is a really long road. And I think um, the biggest, trait that's the most important I think is patience number one and number two is you know really being kind to yourself throughout the process so knowing that you know you're you're starting at a certain point you don't you're not going to be there forever but you are there now and being okay with that is a very is very difficult um, you sort of have to have the mental wherewithal to come in week after week um, and allow that progress to add up over time um, you go I mean you go through periods where it's like you feel like you're not improving at all, maybe for two months at a time. And then all of a sudden you get that double pirouette or whatever it was, but there's going to be a long dry spell before then. And you have to continue banging your head against that mirror and being able to go through that and without beating yourself up too hard. I mean, it's okay to want to be better and know that you're not where you want to be, but you have to do that in a way that is with patience and kindness or else you're just going to give up and you know, feel really bad about yourself. Exactly. Like I I think being patient and being really kind to yourself. And then this is the thing too, like you said, oh, one day, you know, you've been working for six months, for example, on your double pirouette and you finally get it. And then what happens with these type A personalities like ourselves is that you go, okay, now I want to trip. (laughs) So, So you're not satisfied with the fact that you just accomplished a double. And I watch people get really excited for all the five minutes and then they're on to the next thing. And I mean, that's what makes us better and makes us, you know, improve and what, what, you know, makes us such, you know, awesome, you know, people that want to just keep pushing the boundaries. But there is, I feel like in adult ballet, a time and a place that, that I do go, okay, guys, let's just pause for a second. Don't get frustrated with yourself. See how far you've mm-hmm. come. Just pause for a second and, you know, look back at how far you've come. And, um, and I think that's one thing with adult ballerinas that they, that they don't do enough of mm-hmm. is remembering where they started. Well, it's very easy to forget. I know even when I first started teaching beginners, um, I remember my teacher gave me like a lesson plan, right? And it was like the simplest thing I'd ever seen. I mean, it was like three tendus and a plie en croix and like a developé and a grand bama. And I was I asked, it was like, what are we going to do for the rest of the time? <laughs> you know, and she was like, no, I mean, that's going to take the whole time. That's, that's, that's all there's going to be time for. And then I was really blown away by how, by how far I had come, because as you say, I was, I'm always looking forward to what's next. What's, how can we be better and better and better and forget that? Like, wow, actually I didn't even, I didn't know any French when I started this, you know, there's, I didn't know. Yeah. And now it just rolls off the tongue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Not with the best accent, but it at least rolls off the tongue. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat as you though. I feel like, I feel like our, our accents just butcher like <laughs> ballet terminology. And, and I'm like, oh gosh, like even, especially with this podcast, there's been times where I've um, like my very first guest, Sonia, she's got a beautiful um, British accent and everything she said was, you know, the way that she says ballet words is so much more beautiful than me. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
why have I started a ballet podcast where I have to say ballet terms Out loud. and butcher it with my Australian accent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's really funny that you um you said you were so surprised by how many um how many exercises you um, had on that list to do, and you were like, oh, what do you mean we're not doing more? Um, because the first time I actually was running an adult ballet class, I kind of dipped my toe in the water and I put some feelers out and I actually wrote a blog post. I tried to find it the other day, but it was on one of my really old blogs and I couldn't mm. find it. But it was basically like, hey, everyone, thinking of starting an adult ballet class, um, this is the plan of attack. Like I actually made a list of the exercises that we would do um, and it was a very simple bar. We just went from plié de tendu to jeté to rond de jambe to um, what else do I have? Like a développé and a grand batman and maybe some rises. And then I only had about three exercises in the center, mm-hmm. like a port de bras, a tendu and a little jump. And I got all these messages being like, oh, is that all we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I actually think I've put too much in yeah. like for an adult ballet class and, and you know I don't didn't know any of the women that showed up I feel like we might not get through all that <laughs> so yeah I think patience is a big one and I completely agree with you on that and I feel like I probably say be patient be patient over and over again every day <laughs> yeah it's a hard it's it's hard <laughs> it doesn't really get easier either no, no. I'm really curious to know um, how you structure your timetable in your classes. Like, do you have a syllabus for your adults? Do your adults do exams? Um, I get asked all the time <laughs> for exams and I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do that for adults. <laughs> do you do that at your? Yeah, we, so we have, um, how we structure our classes, we have, um, we do have our own syllabus that's very tailored towards adults and kind of the speed that adults learn and you know, the fact that adults are much more curious, or not, not necessarily curious, but much more able to hold more information than kids are. So with a kid, you might have to simplify to only doing a few things at a time in the beginning, but adults can take on just like a little bit more range um, in the beginning. Um, so we do have, a, we do have our own syllabus that kind of takes the adults through. Um, it's all, it's all structured out pretty much for the first couple of years of their training. Um, and we don't have exams yet for this, but we also, like you, have many people who want exams and who want to have that. You know, I think the exams are super interesting. I think it comes from wanting to measure progress, like we were just talking about in the last segment. I think it comes from, like, I want to know that because I'm not in level two anymore and I'm in level three that I can do all these things and I'm that much better than I was before because I think it's hard to it's just hard to remember that yourself unless you're, you know, posting on Instagram all the time or taking pictures or taking videos, you can't see where you came from. So, yeah, I completely understand why I get asked mm-hmm. all the time. And I, I understand, you know, if I put myself in an adult ballerina's shoes that I would want exams as yes. well. Um, yeah. And it's, it is, it is a bit difficult though. We need, I, Feel like people like you and I we need to get it happening we need to catch up yeah because <laughs> I, I totally get it yeah I totally yeah. get it too I mean you want to know you want to know that you are getting better and if you're not getting better you actually want to know why and where you're not getting better it's the same yeah. way where you know if I wanted to improve let's say my public speaking I would want to go to a class and get evaluated and and get feedback on what do I yeah. need to do to be the best orator in the world like that would be I would want that kind of structure yeah Exactly. And I've heard of a lot of, um, there's a couple of adult ballet places that, that for example, use like the RAD yeah. syllabus um, and they put, you know, them through those exams. But I mean, looking at the RAD syllabus, I don't teach RAD, I teach uh, Ballet Conservatoire, which is Vaganova. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I don't feel like it's not adult appropriate. Like it's not, you know, you can't start an adult at primary and have them running around with a fairy wand like it's not you know it's not appropriate so yeah we we almost need like a like an adult ballet syllabus ah there's something (laughs) there's something julie yeah for sure yeah yeah we create it sell it (laughs) there you go (laughs) we'll have to collaborate on some exams (laughs) yep I'll, i'll travel and examine yours and you can come travel over here and examine mine sounds great <laughs> it's, a ta- it's a tax write-off it's a business expense. there you go <laughs> um but yeah no I always I always love seeing how other people are running their adult ballet classes because I I do find it has so many levels and experience like for example you know are they returning after having a baby are they returning after 10 years 20 years are they brand new to ballet mm-hmm. um even you know are they 
did they have an extremely um, successful professional career mm. and they haven't danced in forever but they've still got beautiful technique and they're now 70. Like it, it, you've got so many different variables in one class that sometimes it's really difficult to place them mm. and to cater to everyone. And, I mean, I've worked really hard on it now. I think this is my sixth year of teaching adult ballet um, that I can walk into a class and, and I do very much um, dictate what I'm teaching on those that have showed up for that that lesson. But sometimes I feel like I'm not hitting the mark with everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, I'm just interested in how you structure your levels. Like I have one and two <laughs> and I haven't moved from one and from having more than two levels. Yeah. Um, the entire time I mean I've got a few constraints too because the my studio um which also has lots of children takes up the majority of the timetable um in my ideal world I would have level one two three four in advance (laughs) but it just doesn't fit into the timetable so and talk me through the way that you um structure your classes yeah and whether someone has to for example um start in a particular spot and if they're not allowed to move up or you just let everyone go where they go where they feel like they can what they feel like they can handle yeah it's a great question I think it's one of the trickiest parts about adult about the levels of adult ballet is that there are so many different walks of life that you can be from you know if you're 12 years old there's not that many ways that your life could have gone by then like there's there's only so many combinations you can have had in those 12 years (laughs) But but by 70 years you can have a very different or even by 40, you know, even by 40, 45, you can have had a very different path. You could have been sitting in a chair for the last 20 years. You could be climbing mountains for the last 20 years. You could be doing a professional career. You could have had a hip replacement. There's yes. so many things. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think levels is one of um, something that we spend a great deal of time thinking about placing people in dealing with, you know, working, working with. Um, we have maybe 10 levels, I want to say. Um, wow. Very, they're very granular levels. Um, we, everyone who comes in, who's never done ballet before starts in our beginner kind of 12 week program, which goes through all the basics and then, you know, kind of teaches them a really basic sugar plump berry at the end. So they can kind of see everything comes together. Um, then after that, if someone comes in and they have done ballet before, they are required to meet me for a half hour private preview lesson where I watch them dance, kind of see what they can do and put them in one of those levels. Once they get in there, you know, it depends on how quickly they progress, their starting point, you know, are they super tight? Do they have back issues? Um, Basically, what else are they doing in their life? You know, people don't always progress at the same rate. So how we how we kind of move people up to the levels, generally, since the same people will come every single week, we have we kind of require that people come to the same class every week. If they miss it, they have some flexibility in scheduling another makeup class. But since the same people pretty much come for the most part, every single week, they tend to progress for the most part together. And then we just sort of move them up through the syllabus as their as the class improves. Um, if someone's feeling like, wow, I'm really bored, which doesn't happen very often, but sometimes you never know someone really wants to just bite off more than more than the class is letting them chew, then they can come and use one of their makeups to try a class that's one level up, see how they feel, and they can switch over to that if they want. Um, or down if they're really overwhelmed they can move down as well um, but we do we so we give them a little bit of that flexibility in terms of we usually let people switch two down and one up on their own yeah okay yeah that's um that's really interesting so it seems like you've got a real pattern of, of they're almost like a class group like a they are graduating they are yeah <laughs> yeah and and um yeah because the way that my class are it's very open and very casual right. so everyone everyone can come when they want, leave when they want. Um, they, they can buy a 10 pack and that 10 pack can be, you know, last for six months. So they could, I mean, obviously I recommend if anyone's studying ballet, um, you really should be doing at least one class a week. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally those that want to get, get better and better, I say you should be coming to a level one and a level two mm-hmm. class. So do coming twice mm-hmm. a week. And, um, because otherwise, you know, you feel like you're back to square one if you take a few weeks oh, off totally. with ballet. It's one of those things that you just can't pick up and put down. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you've got it just all under control. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the- how many people would be in um would be in a class at the time? Um, we uh, all our cast all our classes are a max of three people who are regularly registered, and then if someone's coming for a makeup, oh, okay. then a fourth person can pop in. 
Oh, wow. So it's like, it's basically like a private coaching session. Yeah, it is. Well, that's, I mean, that's definitely what my background is and was and how I got my start in teaching. And, you know, it's really what I love the most. I love to, um, I love two parts about it. Number one, you can really develop personal relationships with your dancers and the dancers with each other because ballet is really, I mean, I I don't know if it is for kids as much as for adults, but it is really kind of an emotional journey. Um, You are going from something you didn't think you could be to something that you now can be, and you have to go through all this hardship and the patience and kindness we talked about. It's a lot. So being able to have that small community, having a personal relationship, I think is big. And then second, I really like to get into the details with everyone and be able to have a chance to help them make it perfect and help them see why they're not where they can improve and what, what's going wrong and, and all that. And that's a little bit tricky when you've got so many faces looking at you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's interesting. I, I do enjoy one-on-one so you can really concentrate on that individual and, and their needs. But then I, I get a real kick out of a room of 20 adult ballerinas <laughs> and I love, I love the vibe. And, and I think, um, and I think that's, what's beautiful about adult ballet and all the different, different places like yours and mine, they all do feel very yeah. different and they've all got their, their, their place. And you just create what suits, I think your, your town, your country, your, your city, you know, your, your community. And um, I find my ladies love, you know, coffee after yes. class. And, and we do this, and we do this event called glass after oh, class. Um, and we, yeah, we do that um, probably once a term. And we have a few of the ladies who have their own businesses come in and, um, and promote their businesses. And we usually do like a repertoire class. One, one time we did the, the signets from Swan Lake and, and then we all have champagne afterwards. And so, I don't know, I feel like it's a bit of a bit of a party here sometimes, but um, no, it's really, it's really nice that, that everyone, you know, can, can find, um, yeah, what suits them. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, um, <laughs> What's your answer when, and I'm sure you get this question all the time, I do, I would love to start adult ballet, but I'm not very flexible. <laughs> what's your answer? What's your go-to Yeah, that one's, I, you get that one all the time. Um, <laughs> first of all, I'm lucky in the sense that, well, in the sense that I started late as well. So like I couldn't touch my toes until I was 23. So um <laughs> wow good work then glad you just started ballet right and that as you, if you are counting back on the timeline at home here that's five years after I started ballet so it took me a while to get there yeah um so I I think I think there's definitely a misconception that ballet is all about flexibility and I and I like to talk a lot about, about that as definitely. well so you know I talk I like to think about you know it's not helpful if you can sit in the splits it's not helpful in ballet because we never sit in the splits. We would need to do a leap in a grand jeté into the splits. We would need to be lifted overhead with our legs out open in the splits and be able to hold and control this in many different ways. So, so much of, yes, exactly. You need to have active flexibility, not passive. Yeah. Like it's not helpful to to hold your leg up in the air. We don't get to hold our leg up and ice skaters get to hold their leg up in the air. We have to, you know, with their hand, we, we have to hold it up with our muscles, with our, with our core and our, and our inner thighs and all of the things that we're using. So I think there's, um, that's, that's one of my biggest go-tos is, is understanding the difference in flexibility. Like you will, you will gain the flexibility you need through trying to do the movements of ballet. So like your grand pied in second is going to work on improving all of the flexibility and the range you need in that position better than sitting in a frog or, you know, this, the stretch with your legs just kind of open. Yes, which is also just pretty unsafe in general, right, really. Right, right. Let's not do <laughs> so, that. Yeah, so it's, yeah. So I, I just dismissed that. I'm like, that's not an right. excuse. I said, if anything, if you're not very flexible, you should be coming right. to ballet <laughs> because it's going to very um, gently stretch those muscles and, um, and, you know, give you a nice gentle flexibility, which isn't going to, you know, hurt you. Yeah, I mean, like, look, there's, there's a thousand yeah. reasons why you shouldn't do it. Right. There's there's a million reasons why you should not do ballet. You can make up any. I've heard so many. I've heard a lot of reasons. I've made up a lot of reasons myself. I've quit a few times. There's many, many reasons why not to do it. But that's you have to get past that and do it anyways. And not being flexible is one of the top reasons that people have made up in their head. Not flexible, not graceful are the two biggest ones I get. Um, Let's move into point work. 
Yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts on adults and point work. Yeah, this is a really fun topic. Um, I think it's it's very different. I've, I've talked a few kids from time to time and watch, teaching kids point is so different from teaching adults point. Um, I'm talking about like beginner adults who've never done point before. People who were on point as kids coming back is a little different. Yeah. Um, but um, when kids start at point, they just start playing like immediately. The teacher is telling them to stand there at the bar and don't go up until I tell you to go up. And the child is like, but I know pirouettes. Let me try them in my point shoes. Or like, I <laughs> yeah. just learned fuetes. Like, oh my God, stop doing that. Stop. No, stop. <laughs> like, I just learned fuetes last week. Let's see how those work in my point shoes. Or like, whatever the kids yeah. do, they just sort of like leap around. And yeah, I don't there's, they, there's no fear there. There's no fear. You know, they haven't faced their own mortality yet. And adults, they will like stand at the bar and you tell them to go up and they're like, okay, but how specifically? And should I go up now? Or like, do you want me to go up in one count or how do I get back down? They, they, they just like, yeah. And then <laughs> once I'm, once I'm up, okay, now, now how do I come back down? Right. <laughs> but they want to like yeah. know that whole process from A to Z before they go up there on the shoes. So that you like, there's, there's this fear of trying anything on there. So it's a very different, there's no like playfulness up on point. Everything is just like, as soon as the point shoes go on, the class demeanor changes. Everyone is scared. I get, I mean, I get it. You don't want to snap your ankle off. That's a big deal when you're an adult, you're out of work for whatever. If you, if you get hurt, you, you feel this fear in your head, but the class demeanor changes as soon as the point shoes come on. There's no more like laughing fun. It's like serious. We have our point shoes on. This will be serious. Exactly. You call it the point panic. I call it the point panic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm actually going to steal it, by the way. It's I amazing. Don't mind. No, <laughs> I'm going to steal it. It, it, should go, it should go viral. The point panic is a, is a real thing. It's just, it's it's what we all experience when we get the point shoes on that our brain just suddenly thinks of the million ways that it's going to be bad. And it's true. There are, it is, you're up on your toes. This is not a normal thing. Um, but that doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to get hurt immediately the moment you go up there. You have to work safely and, and carefully and then eventually build up past that and know that you can move on past that. Yeah, I have um, I have a beginner point class and we start off, especially at the start of the year, quite slow. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't leave the bar. Like my students that go into point for the first time, like talking about children, um, they don't leave the bar for at least three months. Yeah, <laughs> It's all on the bar. Um, and it's funny, as soon as you take away those bars, the, the adults are like, ooh, ooh, okay. Um, and they're really excited about the challenge. But, but because they're a little bit scared, Sometimes it actually makes the movement less um, flowing mm -hmm. and less at ease, which actually then makes it worse. Right. So I'm always like making sure we're super confident before we take away those bars um, because you, you do need to like, so, you know, when you're doing like a tomlie exercise and you do your plie and your degage and then we step up onto point. Mm -hmm. They'll step, they'll bend the knee, step right. underneath themselves and I'm, and I'm up and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's go back. And plie tendu, now you have to step forward and up onto that leg straight. And, oh, no, that's way too scary. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, then we go back to the bar. Right. <laughs> because you have to, and this is the thing, I mean, I feel like if you're going to do point as an adult and for years, you know, to the point where if you want to start doing poses down the corner or something, there probably will come a point in time where you do kind of hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and not that you should be waiting for it, but you should expect that one day it's going to happen. Um, not that I want anyone to be like super injured or anything, but you're probably going to end up on your butt <laughs> like at some point if you, you know, if you're doing it correctly, because, because you do have to take a little bit of risk there. Yeah. I, just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that for sure. And I think, you know, one question I'll get is, is ballet safe or like, will I get injured? You know, kind of this apprehension around that same thing. And I always say, you know, if you are pushing the limits, sometimes you will find them. So you maybe, maybe, maybe something will happen, but you want to be really, you know, that's why we work so cautiously and slowly and carefully, but there is yeah. always that risk. If you're trying to figure out what your limits are, like you might, you might find them and that's, that's good for you. That means that you took that risk and that you're, you're really working yeah. hard. And you're also doing, a, you know, a physical activity. I mean, it's no more dangerous than netball or footy or horse riding or, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to go horse riding because I might get thrown off and break something. You know, I think in regards to actually, I have a lot of this is okay. I'm going to, I'm going to touch on a sore spot for me. So I have netball here in Australia is massive. Uh, do you have netball over there? Do you, 
call it netball? If we have it, it's not called netball. Okay. Yeah. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, I'm going to have to Google it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you have netball over there. I think it's a very Australian thing. So netball. Netball. So it's (laughs) N-E-T-B-A-L-L. So funny. So netball (laughs) is like, um, you kind of do lots of pivoting around on one foot and you're trying to get the ball. It's kind of like basketball, but I'm going to do a horrible way, like job of explaining this. It's kind of like basketball, but you're not allowed to just dribble the ball right up to the other side. You have to pass it from person to person okay. and pivot, pivot on one spot. Um, so because of all the pivoting and because of the, the passing from person to person, um, people break fingers, people twist and break ankles, toes, so many horrific injuries from netball, right? And I have parents go to me, oh, point work. Oh, that looks really, really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. When, when she turns 13 and it's point shoe time, she'll, she'll, she'll give up ballet and she'll just stick to the netball. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, no, netball is so much like more dangerous. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I know, totally. So when we people get, say ballet is dangerous, I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, totally. We get the same thing, but in Colorado, skiing and snowboarding is massive. And I'm like, yes. how is this more dangerous than that? You're like flying oh down God. a mountain. I, yeah, I went skiing. Um, I went skiing in New Zealand. I've only been once, and I was like, and I'll try anything. Like I, I'm a little bit of a daredevil, and I was like, this is dangerous. <laughs> I was like. I don't know how I feel about this. This is super dangerous. And there was people being carted off left, right and centre. Totally. For like for knees being twisted and mm-hmm. MCLs being snapped. And I'm like, oh my God, this yeah, I'm not not so sure about this. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're comparing it to over here in Colorado. Yeah, there you go. Netball over here. Yep. <laughs> and skiing and snowboarding over here. Exactly. <laughs> Too funny. Oh gosh. Um, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you what you think the hardest part about teaching adult ballet is. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think that the hardest part is that adults um, aren't very good at being bad at things. Um, they're <laughs> <laughs> great answer. Yeah, they're like this. They've sort of generally made it to the top of their game in their career. Like they're the boss of their family. Um, and it's usually been a while since they tried something new, maybe since the high school or since their parents put them in piano lessons or something. A lot of times it's been a while since they had to do something that they were really bad at, like really bad, right? When you start ballet, you're, you don't know anything about what you're doing. How, how in the world do you know what you're doing? It's totally out of context from anything you've ever tried. Yeah, so, very rarely do you ever come across someone who's their first lesson and you're like, how have you never done ballet before? I reckon it's happened twice Yeah, in the hundreds, if not thousands of people I've come across. And those are people <laughs> usually who've like done some other similar thing or like, yes. yeah. yeah. So I, but I think that's, I think that's something where you, as you age, you get, you just sort of weed out the things in your life that you're not good at. And then eventually you have whittled it down to a list of things that you're pretty good at. So I think, you know, you get someone who's, who, who's starting something new at the age of 50 and, they haven't been really bad at something in 40 years and they forgot how much it sucks and they don't want to look silly and they don't want to, they don't have any parents pushing them and making them continue doing it. They're just like, whoa, this really sucks. I'm really bad at this. And then depending on their mentality throughout their life, they might think, well, because I'm bad at this, I can't ever be good at this. Or it means that I'm not going to be able to do it. Or there's, there's, there's a lot of mental hardness that adults have developed um, over the years of protecting themselves from the world that I think can really hold them back. So, so much of, of what I do is working, well, I feel like working with people to get, to get over that and get past that and be able to try the things that they're, that are scary and push past the things that they're bad at. It's, it's very much like part therapist, part ballet teacher, part life coach, because there's so much, it, it sounds silly to say it, all this just around ballet, but you're really pushing yourself past some really serious mental issues that you've, and mental blockers that you've, that you've built up for your whole life. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Mindset is just such a huge part of it. And and I'll, I'll give two examples. One being um, an adult who's just started and, you know, it's their very first lesson and they come out into the foyer and they go, oh, Georgia, like, that was a great class, but I was hopeless. What can I do? I want to be better by next lesson, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, calm down. Like take a big breath. Like <laughs> Patience. Uh-huh. This is your first lesson. Take a big breath. The fact that you even put your ballet shoes and showed up today 
that is the first step and that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then you have, I think with the mindset thing still, I've had people who had, say, a professional career as a ballet dancer and they've had a couple of children and they've come back and decided to start some classes again. And I see on their faces they're just so hard on themselves. Totally. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, why doesn't my leg in Devlape get up that high anymore? Why, you know, why can I barely get out two pirouettes? Um, And they're just so hard on themselves. And I think you're right. You know, as a teacher, you're not just walking around the room and and handing out exercises. You're also walking past and going, hey, be be nice to yourself. Like, go easy. (laughs) And, And tapping into that that mindset and 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 getting them in the right headspace I guess yeah the, yeah. yeah it's really hard it's 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 difficult <laughs> it is really difficult but I think I think there's just a really high reward at the end of this because when the people do Definitely. really push through it and see that they can do this thing I think it starts to translate to the rest of their life so they see you know oh I didn't think I could do this but now I can and I saw how hard I had to push through to get it and I think that starts to translate to the rest of their life. So it's 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 a very tough part, but I think it's one of the most rewarding parts of teaching adults is where you can yeah. see that personal transformation start to take place outside of the studio as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel exactly the same way. It's very cool. <laughs> what's the um what's the easiest part of teaching adults? <laughs> well, I know mine. <laughs> I think it's that you can talk to them like I mean, like they're adults, right? <laughs> you can um, because they are, yeah. Because they are, <laughs> you know. They they you can like describe their body to them, and they kind of know what you're saying for the most part. Um, they will swear when they get it wrong, which is always hilarious. We have a rule where you have to do um, ten theraband exercises for every swear word, so people will just there's like our swear jar. Um, <laughs> but there's like a, a realness there where. You know, you don't have yeah. this like you're not on a pedestal where you can't communicate with each other. Like you can, you can talk to them like adults. They can ask you questions. You can reason with them. There's a communication level that's uh, that you don't have as much with the with the kids. So you can approach it in a much more logical and direct way. Yeah, definitely. My favorite part is um, the fact that when you have an adult ballet class, every single person in the room wants to yes, be there. Yes, huge. <laughs> They've dressed and driven themselves to class. Paid for it. Not being, yep, paid for it. They want to be there. Yep. And because that, especially because they've paid for it, they're going to get, you know, every bit of value out of that class. Yep. Whereas a child being kicked out of the car after school and, <laughs> and her hair wrangled into a bun sometimes, you know, it isn't the best and most fun thing to teach. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what I love about it, my adult class. Yeah, it's that's just, huge. It's just so nice having a room of people that just, they want to be there. And I mean, granted, I've got some fantastic children that I teach. The majority of my, my students want to be mm-hmm. here. Um, but, but there's a different, there's a real different vibe, isn't there with adults? Yeah, it's very, it's a very different vibe. The adults, they are, um, they got off the couch and decided this over their favorite Netflix show. Like that's a really big deal. They've had a really hard day at work. Yeah. Work is, you know, work is super stressful. They are, they had a, their boss yelled at them and they still made it to class. Like that's a big deal. It is a big deal, definitely. What's your favorite part of class? <laughs> so, like exercise-wise, I mean, mine's actually reverence. I always, I always tell the women to curtsy to themselves, mm-hmm. which which flows on well from our last sentence. That you know, curtsy to yourself for bringing yourself to ballet today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's funny. I actually just posted that same thing on my on my Instagram page like two days or. Yesterday, yeah, that reverence is my favorite part. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, Why is it your favorite part? Yeah, so I think I think reverence is one of my favorite parts when I take class personally. Um, when I'm personally taking class, I definitely forget to be grateful for the fact that I even have a body that's able enough to get to class and the fact that I've got a place to go and great teachers. And I forget, I forget all that stuff because I'm so, you know, looking for the third pirouette, looking for the 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 nine you know the six o'clock ponche looking for all that stuff um when I teach class though I think Rondajam is my favorite thing to teach because when you know you when you're really working on Rondajam there's so much to be learned from that exercise I think it encompasses all my favorite things um I'm just obsessed with turnout and the the whole like lower half of the body the upper half's great and gorgeous and all that stuff but the bottom half and how that all works technically is just super fascinating to me 
And you, I mean, by the time you, if you really execute a perfect Ronda jam, you can't do that without having standing leg turnout with understand, without understanding, you know, your Alyssa Cone turnout, how you flip your hips from Alyssa Cone to arabesque, or I guess don't flip your hips depending on how yeah, good you are. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that smoothness and the, the smoothness and the execution of a Ronda jam is one of my favorite things to teach because by the time, you know, once a student understands all these things, they're like, wow, I thought I was just circling my leg around. It's like, nope. We're like, that's kind of the crux of, I feel a lot of the, of the fundamental beginning technique around turnout and core and standing leg and all that stuff. So as a dancer, not always my favorite. It's, it's a lot of hard work. I love the porta bras at the end, um, but as a teacher, I love the Ronde Jams. Yeah. We actually had a big chat about Ronde Jams today. Um, I just, before jumping online with you, finished my level one ballet class. Um, and we were all having a big chat about Ronde Jams and the fact that you know, not only are you just circling the leg around, you have to do it with that, with that, you know, supporting leg turnout, your working leg turnout, but then also calculate with the music how long it takes to bring that leg around and making mm. sure that that it's all working in unison. Oh my gosh, I'm actually like sitting here using my hand and like bring <laughs> and like I'm like, what's the point in doing that? No one can see me, <laughs> but not even you. But um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, so yeah, isn't that funny? But yeah, Ronde Jean's definitely it's um it's a it's a good one. I was gonna finish off our discussion. Well actually I've always got a question that you probably are prepared for, seeing as you've listened to the podcast. But before I ask your tip for leading a balanced life, if someone is scared to try adult ballet but has always wanted to, what would you say to them? What's your best advice? Yeah, I think that's um I, that's a huge one. And I know that, you know, as I mentioned earlier in that podcast, we offer our, our three, our free 30 minute private preview lesson for people to come in and get to know us before they start taking class. Um, and people are always so nervous for this preview lesson, you know, so, so nervous. nervous. They're so scared. <laughs> you know, they're, I get it. You know, they have no idea what to expect. They're in a new place full of giant floor to ceiling mirrors, seeing like their body for the first time in a long time. They picture like being on stage. I, I don't know what they're they're picturing this whole big scary thing, and um, you know I try to make it as well welcoming as possible, but they're still really nervous to come. And it's it is I'm sure there's people out there who didn't even make it to the preview lesson who are even more scared to come and can't even get that far. But I think you know I think that for every person it's a it's a personal journey between you know what the risk is and what the reward is. Right, the fear I think is oftentimes that usually people will discover that they can't do it after all and therefore they have to give up on this dream that could have otherwise just lived on in their head um if they don't do it then they can always think they could whereas if they try it and they can't then they know that you know at least they think they know that of course i believe that they can even if they can't on their first day um but that's the fear in their head but then you have to think about the reward right the reward is that you can enjoy something you've always wanted to do and see yourself in a new light that you never thought you could be and I think for each person, this risk reward journey is an individual journey. And, you know, maybe right now that risk is too great and you can't, you can't come to class yet, or you can't give it a try yet, but really thinking through, you know, what is the worst thing that's going to happen and what is the best thing that's going to happen and come try it when that balance is right for you. And, you know, don't, don't forget about, you know, the, the quote that, you know, courage really isn't being with is not about being without fear. It's about being afraid and doing it anyways. And so that's, you just really have to get started and give it a try yeah I think that's the thing get started just take that leap and and give it a go because otherwise you never know and you don't want to be that person that's 80 90 going I mean it's never too late to start but you don't want to be that person that's like oh I could have done it mm -hmm. but I didn't <laughs> or I regret not just you know getting out of the car and showing up to that first ballet class you know I, that I always wanted to do I've had actually funny about that I've had people tell me they've driven into the car park on four different occasions before actually coming in oh that's so <laughs> sweet poor thing and I'm like Aww. oh my god bless you I'm so sorry like <laughs> I would have walked out to the car park and led you in but I know I would have held your hand do that on your own though at some point don't you everyone's so. got to make their journey exactly so what is your tip, Julie, for living your most balanced life? It doesn't have to do with ballet. Just how do you keep, you're a, you're a busy little studio owner. <laughs> so what do you 
Yeah, I think um, I will try to make it as concise as possible, but it is uh, sort of a long, I'll keep it as concise as I can. Um, I think, I think for as long as you want. Podcast, that's the great thing about podcasting. Like we can go for three hours if you want. Um, Yeah, I think, I think I've always, the only way that I've been able to live a balanced life is by being balanced about having a balanced life. So I guess what I mean about that is like, if I get into a thing where I'm like, I'm going to stretch every single day for two hours, that just never, ever happens. Or, you know, I'm going to read one book every week, or I'm going to, you know, make these sweeping declarations about the big goals that I'm going to hit every day. And um, that just never happens. So I've always had, I've, the only way that I've ever gotten anything to work is by starting extremely small. So as an example, recently, um, I have two goals, one of which was to um, do more push-ups because they're very good for your upper body. Want those triple pirouettes. They're not going to come without more strength up there. And so I had on my list, I have, you know, keep a to-do list that has this repeating functionality where you can set a task to repeat every certain number of days. So I had a task to do 10 push-ups every day. Did not happen. Like I just got so overwhelmed by the fact that it was on the to-do list that I did none of it. So <laughs> it's like not going to happen. That's so funny. <laughs> so dialed it back. And then eventually like I had to dial it all the way back down to like three push-ups every week. Yeah. Like that's how far back it had to go in order for me to even start doing it because I was like worried I couldn't keep to it. It was, it was really difficult. Um, so once I dialed it back to three a week, I was like, okay, I mean, clearly I can do this. We can do three push-ups a week. And then eventually got it up to now where I'm doing 30 push-ups a week and that's on the to-do list and that can get done. And now it's about time to get up again, but it had to start with very, very little something I could do in three minutes or two minutes um, so that I could convince myself that I could commit to it. So anytime I try to get too, I guess, unbalanced about my balance, then it just never works out. So Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to get carried away and plan out this perfectly balanced life. Of course, as we're in the ballerina realm, we are of the, the type where we want everything to be perfect um, yeah. if you plan it out totally perfectly, it just, it just never works that way. It, it really doesn't. So making it realistic and something you can commit to and feel good about as then you can grow from there. I think that's the only way I've gotten it to work. Yeah. Your balance is baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. And I, and I feel like that needs to apply to a lot of, a lot of things in life, whether it's your diet, whether it's your exercise regime, whether it's your adult ballet journey baby steps not my forte but we're gonna get there yes you sound a little bit like me I want to do it right now and I want it right now and I want all of it yes and I want to be perfect I want all of it and I want to be amazing right yes and we'll get there I think but little by little well Julie so you're Julie the ballerina on Instagram if anyone wants to find you um and it's brooch ballet uh, really easy to find. B O B. Oh my gosh, I just stopped it. B B R O C H E Ballet um, on Instagram as well. So you've got some fantastic YouTube videos that I will definitely be pointing my clients in the direction of. Great. Um, which are yeah, very um, very instructional and very good. So yeah, so congratulations on that. It's great. Awesome. Thanks. Glad to hear it. Thanks for joining my conversation with Julie Gill today. And thank you so much to Julie for giving up your time to have a chat to the Balanced Ballerinas community. I learned so much talking to this lovely lady. And make sure you check out her personal Instagram, at Julie the Ballerina. And let us know what you thought about the conversation. You can catch me on Instagram, at Balanced Ballerinas. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Keep being graceful with just a little grit.